Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. Helping you invest in property for freedom, choice and profit. You'll learn new, innovative and multiple streams of property income. Whether you want to start, scale or systemize. And even if you don't have deposits. Hi, Kevin McDonnell here and welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. In this week's episode of the podcast, I'd like to share a little bit about the buy, refurbish, rent, refinance model. So a lot of people have heard of buy, refurbish, rent, refinance, but they don't really know how it works or how best to implement the strategy. Now, if you've not heard of this, many people call it BRRR, B-R-R-R, buy, refurbish, rent, refinance. And this is the most popular strategy for professional property investors. But a lot of people see buy, refurbish, rent, refinance is just single lets. But actually, if you're doing a single let, buy to let, then ideally you want to be buying the property, adding some value to it through a refurbishment. Then you want to be renting it out to prove the income and then refinancing it. And ideally in that way. So you're not looking to do buy, refurbish, refinance and rent. And I'll tell you why later in the podcast. You want to be doing buy, refurbish, rent refinance. So the rent comes before the refinance. Now, if you're doing single let buy to lets, you would use the Burr strategy. But if you're doing a HMO, you're still a house in multiple occupation. You're still buying it, refurbishing it, renting it and refinancing it. Even if you're doing a serviced accommodation unit, you want to be doing the same thing or even a commercial conversion. The principles of the Burr model are still relevant. So, When you're looking at this model, let's start with the buy. How do you know how much to pay for the property? Well, what I always do is reverse engineer the process. Start with the end in mind. If you buy a property and then you do a refurbishment and you've got your stamp duty and all your fees and you've not thought about what the end value will be, then it's likely you're going to end up paying too much for the property, spending too much on the property, and leaving too much money in. So we reverse engineer the process, and we start with the end price. Ask yourself, find out, check, what will this property be worth when it's done up? How do I do that? Ask local estate agents what they feel it'll be worth. Check online of comparable prices for properties on that street. Get a good idea of what the end value will be for a like-for-like property when the refurbishment is completed. So you start with the end value. Now that end value, you know that the bank will lend you typically on a single let or a HMO or any type of financing, they'll typically lend you 75% of the value. So when you buy a property traditionally, if you just buy a property in perfect condition, the bank will lend you 75% of the purchase price. But once you've purchased it and you've done work to it, they'll lend you 75% of the end value. And this is why we want to do the refurbishment, to force that value up and to aim to get as much as possible, if not all, of our money out of the deal so we can recycle our cash rinse the money out of the deal and repeat the process. So we have that end value. We want to be taking 25% off that number. So let's say the end value will be 200 grand. Then taking 25% off the 200 grand would be 150 grand. Now what I'm aiming to do 
is have my total expenses from the purchase, the refurb, the finance, the stamp duty, everything to be 150 grand. If my total costs are 150 grand and I can revalue this property at 200, I know that I can borrow the 150 off the bank and get all of my money back out. So we reverse engineer the process. The end value minus 25%, minus the cost of the refurbishment, minus the finance costs, minus my purchase costs, so your stamp duty, your legals, your costs, equals your target offer price. That's how you work out the price to pay. You see, the asking price is distracting and irrelevant. The important price is the reverse engineered number. So that's how we work out what to pay. Now, how do we work out where to buy the property? So there's different types of property in the market. There's different demographics of area. Many people will live on a homeowner street or an owner-occupier street. Many people live on rental streets. And a lot of people live in mixed streets where some properties are owned and some properties are rentals. So you're looking for lower demographic areas typically for your long-term single-let buy-to-lets. And the reason for this is you will pick up a lower value property but the rents will still be pretty good. So ideally, as an example, in my area, when you look at a property, you could pick up a 75 grand house that will rent out for about £500 a month. But a 150 grand house, double the purchase price, will only rent out for maybe £700 a month. So if the 150 grand house, you can make £700 a month on it, but if you bought two 75 grand houses, you would make £500 twice or £1,000. So you're going to get more return by buying two of the cheaper properties than one of the more expensive. This is why professional property investors look to purchase properties in the lower demographic areas, the cheaper streets, because these streets will give you a higher return. But you have to be careful of not going too cheap, because if you go to a too cheap a street, then you're going to get um, a problem tenant, um, more problems with your property, more difficulty in collecting rents and more voids. So you want to be just outside of the really low demographic areas, but not too far into the higher demographic. So there's that sweet spot in the middle. Now, how do we work out what we're going to pay? We went through in terms of the target offer price, but we've got to do a double check on that against what I call the yield and the return on your capital employed. So your yield is your annual rental income. So you work out and you find out from some local letting agents what that property could rent out for. So you've got your annual income and you divide that by your purchase price plus your costs. So your refurb, your um, stamp duty, your legal costs, your all of your money in. So your annual income divided by your costs, your purchase plus costs. Now, a lot of people, when they work out yield, they do this wrong. They just do annual rental income divided by the purchase price. But you've got to include all of your costs in that number. Otherwise, your yield number is going to look higher than it actually is. And that's going to cause you problems because it'll mean you're not going to make the return you thought you were. Now, I'm ideally looking for a yield of a minimum six Six and a half percent even ideally, but minimum six percent. 
If I can get a mortgage at three and a half to four percent, and I've got a yield at six to six and a half percent, I'm going to make some good money on that property. But that's just the yield figure. My most important calculation, my most important number is what I call my ROCE, my return on capital employed. How hard is the money that I've left in that property working for me? So rather than using your annual rental income, you use your annual rental profit. So your annual rental profit. After you've taken away all of your costs, what is your annual profit? And you divide that by the money left in. So how much money have you left in the deal after you've done your refinance? If you've left £5,000 in the deal and you're making £1,000 a year annual profit, then 1000 divided by 5000 gives you a 20% return on your capital employed, which is a hell of a lot better than the 0.1% you're getting in the bank. But ideally, what I'm looking for that return on capital employed number to be is infinite. I'm looking to make sure or to target that my annual rental profit will be as much as my money left in. I'm looking to try and get all of my initial investment out within that first 12 month period. So that's how we work out what you want to pay for the property, where to buy the property, and then we're looking to move on to the refurbishment. So stage two of the buy, refurbish, rent, refinance model, the refurb. So when you're doing a refurb on a rental property, it is so important to not get emotional, to not bring your personal tastes into this. Remember, it's not going to be your home. Now, it is going to be somebody's home. So you've got to make sure that it's clean, it's damp-free, it's warm, and it's somewhere that somebody can have as a nice home, and it's going to be a property that they're going to want to take care of, and they're going to treat well. You provide somebody with a nice property, they'll want to look after that property. So keep it neutral. Many people want to put their own touches on a house. Keep it neutral, keep it modern, and make sure that you're keeping to your budget. Ideally, what you want to be doing is spending £1 to add 3 There's no point spending £3 to add 3 You've got to spend £1 to add 3 Look at making some money on the property, looking at adding value. And there's certain parts of a refurb that don't really add any value. So where should you be putting your money? Where should you be spending it for the biggest bang for your buck? Well, you got to think about what the valuer, when he's valuing the property, is going to consider as an improvement. For instance, if you change the roof, well, every house needs a roof. So it's not really going to add any value to the property. If you put new windows in, again, every property needs windows. So the valuer isn't going to look at it and go, wow, you've put in new windows. I'm going to make this house worth more money. Uh, the doors, every house needs doors. Guttering, every house needs guttering. So what are we looking to improve then if we're looking to add the value? The cosmetic areas, adding um, new kitchens, adding a new bathroom, redecorating throughout and carpets. They're the four key areas that will give you the biggest bang for your buck the biggest uplift. So you're looking for that rundown property, that cosmetically distressed property. When I say rundown, I mean cosmetically rundown, not structurally rundown, just cosmetic things. Ideally, the property with the brown swirly carpets, 
the old paint, the avocado bathroom and the kitchen from the 60s or 70s or 80s or maybe even 85s. <laughs> the kitchen that needs modernization. Maybe it's open plan. Um, so you've got a, an old sitting room, dining room separate and you want to open it up into an open plan kitchen diner area. So you're looking to do, you're painting, you're decorating your kitchens, your bathrooms, clean up the outside of the property a little bit, make it look nice. But then things like roofs, windows, doors, gutters, if they need changing, they need changing, but they don't necessarily add value to the property. So that's your refurbishment, making sure you're sticking to your budget and making sure you're spending your money on the things that give that property the look of added value. Then it's moving on to the rent. Rent is so important before refinance. Why? Because when we do our properties up, we typically want to get those properties to the highest standard on that street, highest standard in that area, which means that when we find a tenant for our properties, we will get a higher market rent than other comparable properties in the area. And this is why it's so important to rent it out before you do the refinance process. Because if you do refinance first, then the valuer, he will look for comparable rentals in the area and he'll find properties that will probably rent for 25, even 50, even 75 pound a month less than what you're going to get on this house. And they lend against the rental income as well as the bricks and mortar value of that house. So the rental income has an impact on their end value. So I want to get my tenant in and be able to show the valuer an actual assured short-hold tenancy agreement. Show them what the property is actually making on rent because this will have a much bigger impact on that valuation when you do it. It'll help you get that higher value. So we've done the buy, we've done the refurbishment, we rent it out to prove what this house will actually get and then it's the refinance. Now when you're doing the refinance, you want to get the best possible value Make sure that you provide the valuer with a schedule of works showing what you've done to the property to improve that property. You've got to let them see that you've spent money on this. Let them see that you've changed it and added value because otherwise they could look at what you paid for that property just a few months earlier and say, well, that's what they paid for it. So then that's what it must be worth. So show them that you've increased that value. Show them the proven rental income from that tenancy agreement and Make sure that they're not taking comparables from unrelated properties. So provide them with a pack of comparables where you can and provide them with comparables of both rentals and also sale prices. These little touches will help you get that higher valuation, meaning you're going to get more of your money back out on revaluing, meaning you can then repeat the process going back to find the next property to go over again with another buy, refurbish, rent refinance and this is how you can scale your property business you're using the same pot of money and you're rinsing and repeating it property after property after property and soon you'll look back and you'll have built yourself a portfolio so that's just a quick introduction to the buy refurbish rent refinance model i hope you found that useful remember you're listening to the progressive property podcast we're out on itunes and stitcher every single week make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Also, make sure that you subscribe to the Progressive Property YouTube channel. We've got new videos on YouTube every single week on all things property. And also go over to the Progressive Property Facebook community. 
There's over 36,000 people now, active property investors in the Progressive Property Facebook community. So make sure you head over to Facebook, search Progressive Property Community, click the join button and tag me in on a post in there. Let me know what you think of the podcast. I'd love to hear from you and maybe we can meet up at some point at a future Progressive event. You've been listening to the Progressive Property Podcast. I've been Kevin McDonald. You've been amazing. Yeah.